0: Thank you for tuning into to Sogecast. We hope you enjoy this uninterrupted listening experience. But before that, please do listen to these messages that come from those that support your favorite show.
1: Raj Nayak's talk show, Fridays Live, features high-profile guests from various walks of life who engage in a free-flowing and inspiring chat with him. Good evening and welcome to Friday's Live with me, Raj naik The guest I have today is a gentleman. He is a sportsman, but most of all, he's a good human being. And I can vouch for that because he's also a dear friend. He's India's pride. He's a tennis legend. Please join me in welcoming Leander Pace. Lee, thank you for being here.
0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Mr. Chirpulh
1: uh thank you for having invited me i know it was a zoom call it was a zoom party but it was uh, nice to celebrate it on zoom it was one of the probably the first birthday i celebrated on zoom
0: <laughs> me too apart from all the amazing places we've uh, been to around the world whether it's in wimbledon or paris or maldives wow. or different places uh, a zoom chat is a first time
1: <laughs> yeah and i was i was amazed i mean uh, you had the entire tennis fraternity there and i was surprised to see even the Sports Minister, Mr. Kiran Jijiju and uh, Mahesh Bhupati there. It was nice. I mean, I think it was a, It also shows how much people love you and how much they respect you and how much they care for you.
0: The Nayak family is
1: my lucky charm.
0: Uh, <laughs> to everybody out there, uh, I have not lost one tennis match in my entire lifetime of knowing the Nayak family. Whether it is Raj and Sagri at Wimbledon, whether it is Atu coming here in Bombay and watching, whether it is Samira at the US Open. I have a 100% winning record when the Nikes are watching. <laughs> when
1: the Nikes are watching. Good. I mean, that's nice. So, Lee, I'm, uh, it's nice. I mean, we will come back. I mean, there's so much to cover up today. Uh, <laughs> so, I want to start. I want to start because I remember uh, last year you came out with this hashtag, One Last road. And we one evening while we were speaking, you mentioned to me, you said, Raj, uh, I'm an Olympic baby. I want to end my... Uh, my last uh, thing with the Olympics. I remember you saying that. Uh, and I never got down to asking you at that time, why do you refer to yourself as an Olympic baby?
0: Well, I was conceived at this 1972 Munich Olympics, Raj. Uh, both my parents are, uh, are athletes. My mom basketball, dad uh, field hockey. And during the 1972 Munich Olympics, uh, during the Palestinian terrorist act where they took 12 Israeli athletes hostage, uh, the games were shut down for four days and uh, no civilians were allowed into the Olympic village. No athletes were allowed outside. And during those four days, uh, I was conceived. That's and I was born good. with a genetic. <laughs> born with these genetics that uh, my parents have given me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, I met your dad. I'm a uh, doctor. He was an Olympian himself.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. I have a few anecdotes to actually show you. Uh, it's one of my proudest... Uh, Thing oh, that I've ever done budget. is to play for the country and dad and myself, both of us are Olympic uh, medal champions in two different sports. But uh, it's been a life, lifetime's journey to try and emulate my father.
1: Yeah. And uh, he's a Goan, right? Pais is what?
0: Goan? That's right. So Pais is uh, from South Goa, from Pulikanton. And that's where my uh, paternal grandparents are from, where my father was born. And uh, my mother, Jennifer, uh, she's uh, Bengali. She's from Kolkata. And uh, ever since I was six years old, I have met uh, Juliana, my stepmom, And uh, she and my dad uh, uh, have nurtured me. I'm very lucky that all three of my parents have nurtured me my whole life and made me the man I am today.
1: That's fabulous. That's fabulous. I, I met Julie as well. I mean, I was fortunate enough to meet <laughs> Julie as well. Uh, so, Lee, so what age did you... When did you decide tennis?
0: At the age of 12. Um, growing up in uh, Kolkata to a Bengali mother and to a Portuguese uh, Goanese father, uh, football was my main love. My genetics are, uh, I'm 5 foot ten, but I'm born with these big legs and I can run, I can sprint all day. And uh, I am more talented in football than I'm at tennis. Um, when I feel that uh, just the heritage and growing up in, in Kolkata gave me so much passion for sport. I was the mascot to uh, my father's Indian uh, national hockey team. So I learned all about team sport, Raj. So I loved team sport uh, a lot more than individual sport, just because individual sport is really lonely. And uh, back in the day, in the 80s, when I started, there was not enough finance to have an entourage. Like today, a Djokovic could have seven or eight people traveling with him. But Serena Williams could have eight to 10 people traveling with her. But when I started, I was all alone. There were not many Indians on the tour. I was the only one traveling on the tour. Ramesh Krishan had just retired. Mahesh hadn't come along yet. Um, So I was the only Indian out there traveling week to week. So was very lonely. So when I was a kid, I started out with football. And uh, at the age of 12, um, I spoke to my father and I said that, you know, I want to be an Olympic champion. And he said, well, in football, India is not uh, doing that great. We're not uh, qualifying for the Asian championships, let alone the Olympics. So why don't you switch sport? So I said, which one should I do? And he said, what do you think? And just out of my mouth came tennis. And my father laughed for six minutes. And uh, till today, whenever I think of retiring, I always remember that laugh. <laughs> so I asked him to find me the best tennis academy in the country. And I moved to Madras, to Chennai, to the Britannia Amritsar Tennis Academy. And I'm very grateful to the Amritsar family and to Britannia and to all our coaches for honing my skills. But that's where the journey started in Madras, in Chennai, in 1986 on the 12th of May, just shy of my 13th birthday.
1: Uh, did you ever ask your dad, uh, football, I can understand him not recommending, why he never told you either hockey which he was he played for India. And India was at the top those days. Uh, or cricket. I mean, did you ever ask him this question ever? I mean, or, or, did you let him be.
0: I did at that table when he asked me which sport. And I asked him, why not hockey? Ah. Why not cricket? I captain the school in both sports. Why not swimming? Why not track and field? I swim for school. I, I run for school. And he said that uh, team sport has a lot of politics. And he said that in an individual sport, if you are the best, they can't take that away from you. And that's why I switched from my love of football and team sport to an individual sport.
1: So tell me, when was your first uh, tour abroad?
0: I'll tell you about my first uh, tennis tournament I ever played because it's quite a, a unique story. I was nine years old. I was the mascot of the Indian hockey team coming to Mumbai. And we had caught the, caught the uh, Rajdani train to come to Mumbai. And we were staying in Kolaba, right behind the Taj Mahal Hotel with the national team. And they would play in Cooperage. That's where the hockey Stadium was. But at the age of nine, Raj, I could already read the newspapers. And I pestered my father that this article in the newspapers in the sports section said there was a, a Bandra gym tennis tournament. And uh, I pestered him to, to, to let me play. And he said, but you don't even know how to play. I said, no, but i learned. And He said, you don't even know how to get there. I said, but you teach me. And he said, but I can't concentrate on your stuff. I got to, you know, focus on the national hockey team stuff. I said, just show me how to get there. So my father, uh, on the first day, uh, took me to VT Station in Kolaba. And at the Victoria Terminus, he taught me how to buy my ticket. Back then, there were manual boards. There were no television boards. So there were no electronic screens. I
1: remember. He taught me. I've traveled by those trains, so I
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, both sons of the soil. And uh, he basically taught me how to get onto the train and which platform and come all the way down from Kolaba, get off to Bandra Station. And as you get off Bandra Station, you come past the overpass and you walk straight down Turner Road and Bandra Gym's on your left-hand side. So six days of doing this, uh, I would leave early in the morning before dad would wake up and I would fall asleep before he'd come back but he leave me 100 rupees on, the, uh, on my bedside table. And that was for my train ticket. That was for my vada pound, And that was for uh, any lunch or water that I needed to buy on my lunch break here. But uh, six days later, I was in the finals of the tournament, which I didn't know. And uh, dad accompanied me to uh, Bandra Gym. And when we walked in, we saw all the trophies there. And I was so happy that I was actually going to win my a trophy, I was playing for a trophy. And I beat Sandeep Kirtane in the final, 7-6, 6-7, 7-6, if I'm not mistaken. And I won an equivalent of, I think, uh, about 2,500 rupees at the time. I was nine years old, and I thought I was the king of the world. But it came in a check form, Raj, and I didn't have a bank account. So I very gladly gave my father the check, and I said, give me the cash. (laughs) And he's like, "Uh, what are you going to do with this? And I said, I'm going to buy my own ice cream factory. And once again, he laughed at me really hard. And uh, when we he took me down uh, just outside Otter's Club here in Bandra, and he asked me, uh, you know, if I'd like an ice cream. And I said, yes, I would. And he said, you know what, um, that ice cream factory are going to win many more matches. I said, all right, maybe not the ice cream factory. How about I get myself an apartment here when I grow up right on the water? We're both, you know, and boys. We love uh, the water. And he said, you're going to win a lot of matches to get there. So I'm very happy today. I've worked pretty hard and I have myself a, a nice little apartment here on, uh, in Bandra
1: on the water. Very nice, very nice. I mean, I've been there, so I know. I mean, it's a beautiful apartment mm-hmm. and uh, I can imagine. And this is a story everybody has, you know, when you, when you started from scratch and you achieved something, you know, it's a great feeling, especially for anybody. So, so I asked you. my question to you before was, uh, uh, so when did you first tour abroad? I and mean, because as a youngster, those, those days going abroad itself was a big thing.
0: I was 12 years old and I went to Hong Kong to play the, uh, the, the Rice Bowl Championships. I was playing the under 12 and uh, I got my passport and I was so excited to get my passport to be able to travel and represent the country. And uh, I won my first uh, under 12 Rice Bowl Championships for India in Hong Kong.
1: And then, uh, when did you play your first Wimbledon? Or one of the- took a... It took a few
0: years Raj 12th of May 1986 I went to Chennai I trained for 5 years uh, and back then uh, Wimbledon and the French Open were shown on Doordarshan in black and white TV and I know all about it because you the are
1: One the finals they used to show I remember yeah <laughs> Exactly
0: yeah. <laughs> Exactly and uh, when I finally got to Wimbledon in 1989 for the first time the colors got to me I couldn't believe the colors were so rich the green, the purple, the flowers, the green grass uh, was so rich and so beautiful that um, it kind of like, wow, Wimbledon looks much better when you actually play on it, you know, when you're here in life uh, watching it. And I think that's the beauty of tennis, you know, is that when you watch tennis live, it is so magical when you get to a stadium and you, you see the ambiance of a Philippe Chatrier Stadium at Roland Garros in Paris or you get to Wimbledon and you watch Centre Court at Wimbledon or the, 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 the Modern architecture of the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York, uh, the Billie Jean King Center, the sport is an amazing uh, uh, medium to entertain people and bring happiness to people. And uh, especially in the tough uh, economies that we live in and the tough things that we go through, playing in those stadiums, when you go and travel to the stadiums live, Raj, and you you know, so sweetly and graciously come to many of my matches to make sure the winning streak continues. um, But playing in the stadiums is fantastic. I've always been drawn to live performance, you know, theater, sport, all life performance has a, as a certain magical charm to it.
1: So, you, so you, your first Wimbledon was a bit junior, right? I mean, you, yeah. and then you were number one as a junior for some time, if I'm correct.
0: That's right. You've done your homework, Raj. <laughs> and, uh,
1: <laughs> I'm not done my homework. I mean, this business <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: 1990, I won junior Wimbledon uh, as a 17-year-old. I uh, got to the finals of the Australian Open in 1990 in the juniors as well. And uh, in 1990, I was number one in the world in the junior singles. Uh, so that's really when I first gathered the belief that I could be a professional tennis player. Before that, I thought I was all right, but I didn't really possess uh, the, the, the really good tennis technique. My backhand was flawed. Um, I was not very tall for a tennis player. Uh, the average height of a tennis player in the 80s was six foot one, whereas the average height of a tennis player today is six feet five. On a good day, I stand at five ten. So as much as, you know, I, I uh, have all the athleticism that's needed uh, for singles play, for, for a tennis player, all the tall guys do really well. Federer, Djokovic, uh, Sisti Pass, uh, you know, Sasha Zverev, the new ones coming around. They're all, uh, or even a Serena Williams, she's a tall girl. Uh, Venus Williams, tall girl, Muguruza, tall girl, you know. So you've got, you got to have a certain height for tennis. And, and I felt that that would always kind of uh, be a challenge for me.
1: And as a senior, which was your first tournament that you won? Uh,
0: so in 1990, I was number one in the world in the juniors. Um, I was getting a scholarship from uh, 17 different universities in America. UCLA, Stanford, uh, uh, Boston University, Harvard, uh, Florida State. Um, and as uh, Samira went to UCLA, and, uh, and I loved the uh, the blue and the gold, uh, I always wanted to go and study at UCLA, but my coaches at the time, and also my manager at the time, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mark McCormick, uh, Mark watched my Wimbledon final in 1990, and he came up uh, to my team at that time and, and asked if, I, if he could have a conversation with me. And the magical of Mark McCormick, he's the one who founded IMG International, Arnold Palmer, Mark McCormick. Uh, came together and, uh, and founded IMG, you know, the International Management Group. And I was very blessed to have him as a manager for, uh, for 10 years. I, he basically said to me that you're going to give up uh, your dreams for college because with the talent that you have, I am going to get you into the top rankings in the world. Uh, I'm going to make you a professional tennis player. But more importantly, I'm going to teach you the business of the sport. So I gave up the dream for college and I moved to Florida I was Mark's neighbor. In fact, he bought me my first house um, in 1991. And I hadn't even signed one contract with him then yet, Raj. And he bought me my first house with his own money. And uh, after that, he signed my first contract. And uh, Gavin Forbes, who was my manager, then actually paid that back straight away. And uh, it's amazing how much I've learned through my sport, uh, through my tennis. But I think one of the best things I did was to turn professional uh, after being number one in the world in the juniors. I think every athlete has their own route, but the first tournament that uh, I won in the seniors took me about five years after that. I was 17 going on 18 when I was number one in the world in the juniors, and I believe the first tournament that I really ever won in the seniors was uh, when I was 23. Um, I played Davis Cup and Fréjus in the south of France, and uh, that's when we beat the formidable Henri Lacombe, Arnaud Butch, uh, Rudolf Gilbert, uh, and Fabrice Santoro was on that team. Guy Forge was on that team. But it's considered the greatest upset in Davis Cup history. Uh, but it took five years from being number one in the world in the juniors to be turning professional and working for five years to eventually prove in the senior career that I could actually uh, follow up and back up what I, was, uh, what I had done as a junior, you know.
1: So, you played with almost... All the big names that's there in tennis. I mean, uh, how, how many years now? I mean, you've been 30 playing years. How many years? 30 years. <laughs> 30 years. I mean, I mean, very rarely that you have tennis players playing for 30 years. I mean, what <laughs> is your secret formula? How did you manage 30 years, Lee? I think
0: a little madman. You,
1: you, really you don't look 30. <laughs> you don't look 30, my friend. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's too funny. But I think uh, you got to be a little crazy to have a career of 30 years, you know, especially in an individual sport like tennis, to be able to not only invent yourself, but be able to reinvent yourself over and over and over again. And one of the, the reasons that I look up to you and respect you so much is that you're a self made man. And uh, right from your pedigree of freedom fighters in your family, Raj, uh, you basically created that opportunity for yourself where not only you became a huge media mogul and pioneered through uh, television in our country. But you have the courage and the cojones to go out there and actually be a, self, uh, uh, a self-entrepreneur, you know, the way you do it. So I think that that's one of the reasons we recognize because when I left home at the age of 12, uh, 12th of May, 1986, I embarked with just a dream, a dream to replicate and, uh, and, and my father's Olympic medal. And uh, it's been a long, hard journey. But over Mm -hmm. that time, Raj, I've had a tremendous team behind me. I've had coaches, I've had trainers, I've had physios, I've had managers. I've had uh, my father as my own personal doctor. But my team has stuck with me over those 27, 28 years. If I can just name a few to give them some props, because I wouldn't be the man I am without them. Um, My tennis coach, Rick Leach, has been with me 28 years. My fitness trainer, Dave Herman, has been with me 27 years. My uh, traveling companion and, uh, and confidant, Sanjay Singh, has been with me 30 years. And my father has been my doctor since I, I was uh, a little boy. Also James Dicker, who uh, manages all my work, he's been looking after me for 20 plus years. So, you know, in, in every human being's life, we have godfathers or we have godmothers or we have people who we learn from and uh, a team that we build. It's very important to build a team around you of, of not like-minded people necessarily, but having individuals who are students of life, individuals who always want to grow. And if, in fact, if they have different points of views and different opinions, it works even better because then the sum of two individuals is greater than two. Everybody in a team environment coming together makes the team even greater. So I've had some great people in my life and we've all continued to keep pushing each other up to grow. And uh, that's how, uh, you know, winning Grand slams is done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I met Sanjay. I met Sanjay a couple of times I mean, in London and uh, uh, then in New York as well. Uh, so tell me, you won what? 18 Grand Slams?
0: Something like that. Huh? <laughs> something like that, yeah. yeah. My dad doesn't remember 18 rides. My dad remembers the other uh, Grand Slam that I lost in the final. Ah. So I've been in about, what, 34 or 30-something, 30 34, 35 Grand Slam final. And he doesn't count the 18 that I won. He counts the other ones that I lost. He goes, you lost that
1: one. <laughs> but you have some memories of uh, some of your best matches in your in your mind. You know, like you'd ask an actor, of, Apka, which was the best movie? Like in your head, which was the best? Winning, of course, all the matches that you won will always remain with you. Uh, but some matches that that you'll always cherish. Winning
0: Wimbledon in 1990, my first Grand Slam I ever won was the uh, one of the real defining moments in my life because it proved to me that all the hard work was worth it. Um, After that, i won Wimbledon, I think, five times. And one of my uh, favorite Wimbledon titles to win, I actually have a a picture of that, is uh, that one. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that. I I guessed
1: as much.
0: And uh, that's the 2015 uh, mixed doubles title with Martina Hingis. Uh, that year in 2015, we went on to win three of the four Grand Slams. And then we completed the career Grand Slam in 2016 at the French Open. But this one was my, one of my favorite Grand Slams to win. And uh, Raj, I think you, uh, you remember this clearly, but it's the best catch you've ever caught in your entire life. <laughs> That's the catch right there, where Raj Nayak, right here. Uh, the winning ball... At Wimbledon 2015, I was on the opposite end of the royal box. And just at the opposite end of the royal box, I won the match point, but I still had a ball in my pocket. So I pulled that ball out and I was probably about, I would say about 100 yards or 100 meters away from Raj. And I dropped the ball and I hit it from there. And it went sailing just right at him and was going over his head. And he actually leaned back there and he caught the ball in the family box, in the the player's box. So... That's um, Raj Nayak with my <laughs> but what you, winning
1: ball. But what you haven't told them is then the commentator said, Who's that man? And, and, then it's, and the other commentator sitting next to him said, That's Leander's dad. Do you remember that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's exactly that. In fact, as I was showing you that picture, Ayana, my daughter, was just uh, messaging. And uh, I've got to thank you and Sagari for uh, looking after Ayana in school. Raj's uh, wife, Sagari, who's uh, sister to me. Um, was my daughter Ayana's first class teacher at the Dhirubhai Ambani International School. And uh, I'm so grateful to the Ambani's and the the DAIS school for doing such a great job with all the kids and uh, especially to Sagari who uh, helps me look after uh, Ayana. She's uh, been fantastic. So that was uh, that. And yes, the next morning when uh, after winning Wimbledon, uh, Raj and Sagari and myself went down uh, Shopping. I think they went to Top Shop, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, Oxford on uh, Street. <laughs> Oxford Street. And we were sitting at a cafe, and Raj and myself don't like shopping too much. And we're sitting at a cafe and catching up about the match and catching up about life. And I was quizzing Raj about, you know, his philosophies of turning into an entrepreneur. And we were <laughs> sipping some coffee, and a bunch of uh, Englishmen walked by and said, "Hey, that's the Wimbledon champion and his dad." <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> and
1: Raj was. I mean, I can. Cannot... You pissed off. <laughs> you were so upset. I'm. I'm sure the viewers are watching. And do I look like Leander's dad? No.
0: Uh, I, don't I, re- have, right? <laughs> I don't have the good looks
1: that you I'll always. You don't
0: have that sophisticated salt and pepper look that Mr. Naik has. <laughs> right, <Thank> <laughs> cheerful.
1: <laughs> uh, so, Lee, you just spoke about uh, Ayana, and I know how close you are to her. So, tell me, I mean. What's your relationship? How much time do you spend? And uh, what, what, what's she planning to do? What's her future?
0: Greatest thing I've ever done in my life, Raj. Um, as you and Sagari and the gang know, I've never been married. Uh, in 2003, I uh, was in a, the MD Anderson uh, Cancer Research Center, uh, diagnosed with a tumor in my head. And that was the day after I won Wimbledon, uh, I think for the fourth time. If I, no, for the third time with, uh, with Martina Navratilova. And then uh, while I was at the MD Anderson, the doctors told me three things that, one, I would never, ever run again. So when I came out at the end of 2003, I haven't stopped running since. Two, they told me I'd never, you know, grow my hair back again. And I did. And I grew a long samurai ponytail. And the first thing they told me was I'd never have a kid. So I always wanted to have a kid. I always wanted to, uh, you know, test my DNA and uh, make sure that, um, you know, the, the skill sets that my parents have taught me, that I, I loved children, uh, as both, uh, as you guys know. I just love kids and uh, whether it's the orphanage where I have 10,000 kids and look after them or whether it's children around the world to use my platform and to use my brand to create opportunity for kids around the world, especially at home here in India is uh, a journey that uh, I've, I just love doing, it's the greatest joy. So with Diana, uh, she was born on the 3rd of April, uh, 2006. And uh, I remember the, the, the week she was born. Um, I was playing Davis Cup in uh, Bombay against Pakistan and uh, I was sleeping at the hospital at Breach Candy and uh, just to make sure that uh, Rhea and her were doing fine and yet at the same time I was coming all day into uh, Davis Cup and uh, training with the team. Well, I won the fifth match uh, in Davis Cup uh, that weekend but uh, over the years I've taken Ayana with me to Wimbledon, I've taken her to the Olympics in Beijing uh, she's traveled with me and uh, she has a, her own personal equation with uh, the Williams sisters when I play at the Washington Castles or she, uh, you know, Novak Djokovic gave her a jade pendant as a good luck charm. And I guess it's actually uh, paid some dividends there because over the years of Ayana being around uh, my environment to, to see how professional sport is done, just as I did with my father, Ayana sprung a surprise on me a year ago and she turned around and she goes, Papa, I want to be an Olympic champion. Wow. Like, uh, you mean you just want to play tennis, right? And she goes, No, Papa, stop joking. You, I want to be a professional tennis player. And I'm like, Ah, oh, you want to be like a college player, right? And she goes, Papa, stop joking. I want to be a professional tennis player. Wow. And uh, I kept it a secret.
1: Picture, can you show that picture again? Yeah, closer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I've, I've kept it under wraps for many, many, many years. Uh, months now and uh i i just look at those eyes and i look at that posture and uh um you know it's it's amazing how ayana is uh is growing up beautifully you know and in that um you know there are many people to thank who actually do some great work with her her coaches or trainers um and things like that and one of the the big responsibilities that ria and myself have as, as parents is to give uh, ayana the best opportunity we can so uh, for me, I, I will always support a child's dream. I will always support, um, uh, you know, a child and use, use my platform to to give uh, Ayana the best opportunity in the world that she can get to be a good human being. And I think that's the real test is that not everybody can be, uh, you know, a, a Wimbledon champion or not everybody can be an Olympic champion. Or, but I think being a good human being is really important. And uh, sport is a great uh, lesson in that. So, um, the best thing I've I've ever done in, in my life is to is to have a kid, and I can't wait to have a few more. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so, of all the people you played, who would you... Which was the Jody, or which are the uh, teammates whom you really enjoyed playing with? Or
0: thank you for rephrasing that question,
1: <laughs> because <laughs> you were going to get me into trouble. Who's your favorite? I'd be dead. No, no, no. no, no I'm not going to ask but, you that. Uh, but really, um, I think the,
0: the joys of... Uh,
1: because you played for 30 years. So, you had a you, you played with different people at different, in three different decades. That's right. Uh,
0: I think there is one record out there, which is winning Wimbledon in the 90s. Winning Wimbledon in, in the 2000s. Then winning it in the 2010s. And then winning it in the, in the 2015s. So... Basically, 1990, 2003, 2010, and 2015. Those were the, and then, yeah, 2015. So those were the years that uh, I won Wimbledon. And uh, that's one record. But coming back to it, my favorite partners, uh, the thing that I like the best, Raj, is I've had 164 different partners in men's doubles and mixed doubles. And the part that I like a lot is about reinventing. I feel that in this world, uh, a lot of us want to change other people to our opinions. We want to change other people to the way we think in life or the way we want to do things. But the fun part that I've had is actually changing myself to adapt to playing with these other different partners. I think it's really important to be a student of life and to be a student of your craft, to be able to go out there and and bring the sum of two individuals with different ideologies, with different mindsets, with different systems, and different um, mechanisms to creating success. I don't believe there is one way to success. I believe there are many. And to be able to share that with different partners and then be successful has been one of my favorite journeys. But out of all of them, there've been some great partnerships and there've been some great friendships. Uh, Martina Hingis, Martina Navratilova, both the Martinas have become really, really uh, dear friends of mine. And uh, this is a picture of Martina Navratilova and myself at the flea market in Goa. After we had won one Grand Slam, uh, she wanted to come to Goa. So I brought her here and uh, we had such a great time. Uh, I got to show her my family house down there and uh, I got to uh, take her down to the flea market where she bought a lot of trinkets and things. And uh, we had a great time. Uh, She's one of my favorites of all time. I think Martina Navratilova epitomizes what any athlete or human being can be. Not only is she a 21-time Wimbledon champion, 21 times wow. and uh, won so many grand slams and been number one in the game for years. But she actually is uh, a great human being. She's a woman of a word. She stands for things she believes in. And uh, to, to migrate from former Czechoslovakia to America and uh, sleep on Chris Everett Lloyd's uh, sofa and then get her citizenship in America and stand for all things good and right for the human world uh, shows how. A great human being martina navratilova is so very blessed to have uh both the martinas apart from these 164 partners i've had in my life
1: I, I i remember we had a good time with martina Hingis, both in london and when she came down to mumbai
0: that's exactly right i remember uh we i showed you the australian open trophy and uh, when we came back and uh you, you stood right between both of us and uh, you were holding the picture. trophy in your hand. <laughs>
1: yeah, I have that picture somewhere with you.
0: <laughs> How is my Wimbledon trophy doing, Raj?
1: Oh, it's good. Now, you want to tell that story as well?
0: <laughs> no, I'm going to let you tell it. Especially Heathrow Airport. I'm going to let you tell that one. Yeah,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, you know when leave, one is uh, Wimbledon and uh, he said, Raj, can you do me a favor? Can you take this trophy back to India? <laughs> And uh, I said, okay. I mean, first I thought i will put it in my suitcase. It doesn't fit in. So I had to carry it. And at the airport, the security wouldn't let me take a huge box. And you carry it in your hand. And metal, right? Uh, and uh, so finally, I had to tell them it's Wimbledon Trophy. And they were like, really? Wimbledon Trophy? And then they wanted me to open and show it. And when I opened and showed it to them, they were so excited. The entire security <laughs> at Heathrow wanted pictures with the cup. <laughs> which I had to if I wanted to carry it along with me. And then it was so heavy that I had to take I had to buy a two-pound uh, trolley to bring it. And for all the trouble that I've gone through, I made sure that the trophy is still with me in my house.
0: <laughs> I think Sagri had something to do with that two-pound trophy, huh? That two-pound trolley for the trophy. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, so, so it's still lying with me. But you can mm. always take it back whenever you want Lee. Yeah, we are safe keeping it for you.
0: Exactly. And this is the trophy, guys. That's the trophy right there. And uh, that trophy might have my name and Martina Hingis's name on it. Yeah. But it's got uh, the Nayaks and every single Indian out there. That belongs to all of us. But also, my, uh, my most stylish Nayak was also there at Wimbledon with us. That's <laughs> Akia Nayak. <laughs> that is the uh, morning of the Wimbledon final with uh, my lucky sweater that Raj is wearing. the uh, His green sweater and it's fleece and it's really comfortable, but that's the sweater that he's worn to most of my matches, but I've never ever lost a match. But that's Athiya Nayak, the stylish Nayak. Also my rehab partner and uh, we do rehab together at, uh, with Webb. Uh, and also no matter how many Grand Slams I've won, no matter how many Olympics I've won, no matter how many uh, Davis Cups have won. Atiya Nayak makes it a point to make me her private photographer. At every function we go to, instead of being in front of the camera and behind it. And there are so many pictures of the paparazzi taking pictures of me taking pictures of Atu. And I'm always <laughs> behind her phone, behind the camera. And the angle's always wrong. It's always... He's watching watch. somewhere I, that's exactly why I'm saying it. I mean, I'm surprised she hasn't jumped in yet. <laughs> but but uh, Atu is one of my favorite uh, muses to put, uh, photograph. I, I think she's just magical in, 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 and has so much of courage in embarking on her dream. And I cannot wait to watch her first movie. I'll be the first person to buy a ticket and be right out there. I know you'll give me a ticket back, but I'm going to buy a ticket and come out and watch Atu's first movie. I cannot wait for it to come out.
1: Fingers crossed, Evan. Yeah, but she's pursuing her dreams. So, Lee, speaking about movies, you did a film debut, right? You acted in a movie. <laughs> tell us I about knew you were that. going there. I, 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 I've been waiting to watch it I, and I want to watch it with you. But tell <laughs> me about been... the movie. What was the <laughs> I name knew you the were movie? going there. <laughs> What's the name of the movie? Well, as
0: we started and I said, uh, you know, I love theater. I always wanted to be a theater actor. I always wanted to go to West End, to go to Broadway and, and, and act in theater because I think live performances are magical. But I had a bucket list Raj, that I always wanted to act in a movie, you know, and why not? We Indians love Bollywood. We love everything mystical and magical about, you know, the, the, the big screen. And uh, I used to get a lot of offers in the 90s. And, uh, you know, while I was winning my Olympics in 96, uh, I got an offer to do a biopic on my, on my own story. And I've waited for that until I came to, you know, the end of my career. But uh, the script of Rajdhani Express was phenomenal. Um, I had some amazing actors that uh, were originally announced in the movie. Uh, Sir Paresh Raval was supposed to be in it. Uh, a. A. Mirza was supposed to be in it. Uh, 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 Tabu was supposed to be in it. Uh, uh, there were just the list just went on and uh, uh, to name a few. And I just thought with Paresh Rawalji there and dia there and Tabu there and you know, the other guys who were there, the Gulshan, Grover, Mukesh, Rishi, the, they went very specific with the whole thing. But I thought that uh, these great actors, Parishji and the gang could and Tabu, could actually hold the movie up with their expertise. That would give me a chance mm-hmm. to kind of just weave my way within there and tell a story and uh, look at something new. You know, I mean, I love entertaining people. I love doing things that I'm passionate about. And I did all my stunts myself. I did all the, the tough parts myself. And when I went on the sets, I suddenly realized how big the film industry was. Because with one movie of Rajani Express, we had 400 people working on sets, And that was just our, you know, movie. I cannot even imagine how many hundreds and thousands and millions of people, how many lives Bollywood creates. And that is something that I gained a lot of respect for. So one of the rituals that I had in the, whenever I came on set before my, uh, my, my, my shoot started, I would serve everyone tea personally. And uh, 400 people there, there was a lot of tea being poured. And uh, <laughs> the fun part about it was that the connectivity event about uh, people, the human skills. And I think that's one of the greatest things we have in India is barring culture, barring caste, barring religion, barring the color of our skin. Um, you know, around the world, we have so much of uh, dangerous stuff going on but I think to entertain people and bring happiness to people in different mediums is uh, a real joy so Rajmani Express was a bucket list I kicked that bucket really hard and I really enjoyed it I had a blast and uh, as and, long uh, as you had a
1: blast as long as you enjoyed and you're not know, ticked off but, exactly <laughs> and you still you, I mean you have a lot of Bollywood friends with whom you play football on a regular basis
0: yes uh, amazingly talented people I love playing uh, football with them, the all-star team, bunty Walia and Abhishek Bachchan and uh, Randeer and Dhoni and, uh, lot us, actors, and, uh, lot actors, and a lot of us, the actors and I was going to say a lot of us actors and I just rephrase, but a lot of the actors and athletes, we come together to, um, you know, bring happiness to humanity. And uh, it, the, the slogan that we have with the all-stars is playing for humanity. And I think it's a great, uh, great thing that uh, Bunty and Abhishek and, and the gang do. And it's really fun to enjoy them. We went to Singapore to play against the ex-Singapore national team. And believe it or not, we actually beat them 2-1. And uh, it was just real fun. Uh, Bunty keeps organizing these matches uh, periodically. Uh, The boys played against the national cricket team, against uh, Virat and Dhoni and Yuvraj and and the gang. But unfortunately, I missed that match. I was actually running off playing some tournament somewhere along the world. But uh, I can't wait until some form of normalcy can come back to our life right now, dealing with the virus and the lockdown and things. And um, Yeah, football is, and sport uh, is, 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 a, is a fun way to actually bring life back uh, to some sort of normalcy while you're practicing social distancing.
1: And a lot of sports people are now getting into golf. I mean, you've been playing it as well.
0: Yes, I love my golf. I find the creativity of golf in the way that you... Go around the course, just creating shots and navigating your way around uh, different tracks around the world. Uh, some have a lot of water on it. Some are up and down like links. Some have a lot of trees on it, and and the creativity for golf is very similar to the creativity of tennis. It's not just about winning a point; it's how you do it. And uh, I think to shoot a, a low round in golf uh, takes a lot of uh, course management. Takes a lot of not just technical skill, not just physical ability but it takes a great mental aptitude to be able to stay balanced over the three and a half, four hours that it takes you to get around the course. And golf has caught me by imagination. And uh, it's very similar to tennis because a lot of the country clubs you go to, a lot of the corporates that uh, I know, they love their tennis and they love their golf. So it's a great way for me to actually interact with people. You know, you have their undivided attention for three and a half hours. And um, if you can't close a deal in three and a half hours, that deal ain't never going to happen. <laughs> but uh, I, I think the, Sport is, is my business. Sport is something that is my passion and my way of life. But to be able to bring happiness to people and create opportunities through sport and through sports education is, going to be, is the journey that I'm on.
1: What's your handicap, Lee, just out of curiosity?
0: Myself. No, I'm just kidding. But I actually got down to a scratch uh, a few years ago. And uh, I, I basically feel like golf is a sport that you have to practice every single day. So I'd say that today I'm playing off about a solid six, solid seven, uh, somewhere around there. But uh, at one point I was playing so much of golf uh, that I actually got myself down to a scratch and uh, I just love it. I really, really love it. My dad keeps teasing me about getting into, you know, senior golf, getting into pro-ams and senior golf, you know, and uh, he keeps pushing me to, to stay healthy and stay fit and finding new ways to reinvent myself. But I found a great way in golf to make some great friends. Um, I think that, uh, People who play sport uh, generally are pretty uh, uh, evolved people, you know. They, they see life quite whole. And golf's a really cool sport. A lot of fun.
1: Uh, you play football, you play golf, you play tennis. <laughs> uh, have you played cricket? I, I know you, you said you played in school, college as well.
0: That's right. I pretty much play every sport, Raj. Um, that's part of, you know, just having these athletic genes that I've been born with. I love to scuba dive. Uh, one of my favorite holidays ever was with Sagari and yourself and uh, Masaba uh, uh, there in the Maldives. It was just fantastic fun. Um, going diving, you know, and the marine life is something that I really love. Um, I'm more of a beach guy than a mountain guy. Um, you know, I've, I've never been allowed to uh, ski or, or do down, downhill skiing uh, or jump out of a plane because of all the insurances and stuff. But uh, uh, deep sea diving is something I love. I love the turtles. I love the dolphins. Very fascinated by the sharks. Uh, But I think marine life just down below the water is just really beautiful. So some of my best getaways are uh, either to the ocean or on safari. Mm.
1: That that was an amazing holiday. I'll always cherish that holiday. We need to do it again. You know, once all this lockdown is over, we have to go back. We must go back. (laughs) So tell me, I mean, this uh, Olympics didn't happen this year, right? I mean, that was your one last, role. So one when last row. So, one last row. When it happens, I mean, I'm told it's shifted now for next year, right? Is that correct? Right. Am, I, am I correct? That's exactly right. Uh, so, so the, you could give it a shot next year?
0: That's really the question of the day, Raj. I think that. Uh, Right now, uh, when we look at uh, COVID-19 and we look at the lockdown and we look at so many uh, amazing people out there who are uh, fighting to keep the community safe, I think that in a profession that I have or all the professional athletes, the globalness of our sport means that you have to travel, airports, hotels, stadiums, contact with people. And as India's borders are locked down right now, uh, we're not going to be able to conduct our business uh, until... Uh, the vaccine comes out. Um, The U.S. Open has just announced they're going to go ahead with the U.S. Open. The French Open have announced that they're postponing it uh, to October of 2020. And uh, otherwise, we'd be in London right now for Wimbledon. But I feel that uh, just as they've done it smartly where uh, they've cut the draw size down, we normally used to have 128 singles players in both the men and women, and we used to have 64 doubles teams in both the men and women. Now, for 2020, the U.S. Open is proposing 64 singles players and 24 doubles draw, and they've kind of, you know, kind of shrunk the draw so drastically that um, I don't know how they're going to um, give out professional points, yeah, but ATP points or WTA points uh, when you have such a small draw.
1: That doesn't make sense, right? Because a a lot of people won't be able to participate. It will be like mostly the US players playing within the United States, and uh, like you said, giving points is going to be a challenge. And uh, if international players, I mean, depends. like India is locked on. If international players can't travel, like you said, then will the tournament really have that same? Uh, uh, what do you say?
0: Oomph! That same stature, that yeah. same Grand Slam yeah. champion yeah. of 2020. Yeah. Is he going to be? He or she going to be the same as the Grand Slam champion of 2019 yeah. or or 2021? You know, I don't think so. I think that. Uh, to conduct a smaller draw this way, this size, uh, it's more like uh, almost an exhibition. It'll be very tough to, to, as you so rightly said, it'll be very tough for every single athlete and tennis player around the world to travel to the US Open. Because you know, there's
1: quarantine, uh, yeah. all kinds of things, right? You've got 14 days
0: quarantine and before the US Open, they're trying to play in Winston-Salem and they're trying to play in Washington DC. So the quarantine becomes a big issue and also the borders being uh, closed becomes an issue. So as much as we are doing uh, rescue flights right now, um, my humble opinion, and uh, it's just from my own perspective, I'm going to wait until the vaccine comes out and that we all get the antivirus before we travel extensively. I think that when you look at uh, uh, world travel and whether it's airports, whether it's train stations, whether it's uh, hotels, whether it's stadiums, uh, it is going to be very tough to con- con- continue a global. Uh, sport, a global profession, uh, until the virus comes out. I think that when you look at Bundesliga, the German football league, when you look at La Liga, the Spanish league, when you look at the EPL, which is one of my favorites, uh, the, the English Premier League, it all happens within one country. So the La Liga players stay within Spain. The EPL players stay within England. And, and I think that if tennis has a way uh, to actually have one arena in America, one arena in Europe, one arena in, uh, in Austra- Australasia, then you could have events there. But to have the global athletes traveling is going to be difficult. I think uh, the, the, the uh, Roland Garros, the French Open, is uh, in a unique uh, geographical location because being in Paris, you're going to have a lot of the European players who could just jump in cars and drive to Roland Garros and play there. But uh, even that is going to be a big challenge. So at this stage, I'm sitting back I'm uh, concentrating on all the other aspects of my, my, my post-tennis career and all the other magical things that I'm looking to do. And I've lent leaned, I've leaned on you, Raj, many a time for your advice, uh, for your opinion, for your uh, thought process, because your ideologies are so unique. Your systems, your, your, your mind is such a brilliant brain that uh, it's great to run ideas off of you. And we've deferred in a few thought processes. We've agreed in quite a few. But uh, the respect I have for you is tremendous because being a self-made man from a pedigree of uh, freedom fighters of our country and the way you've navigated your career and your life, uh, you're definitely one of the people that I love dearly. I look up to, I, uh, I, I, I bounce ideas off you for your thought process. But as I navigate from tennis into post-tennis, uh, sports education is something that I think is huge. Uh, for me, I love kids. And I feel that 75 to 80% of our sporting talent is all in rural areas. So I feel that a lot of our talent, not just in sport, but all over India is all in the rural areas. And to take uh, that vehicle that uh, I've nurtured over 30 years and to create opportunity for children all around our country, that they can become uh, athletes, that they can educate themselves, that they can better their opportunities in their lives using sport as a vehicle, is something that really excites me. So, uh, that's something I'm uh, enjoying the, uh, to embark on.
1: That's nice, Lee. I was going to ask you, what are your future plans? I mean, you you said most of it. Uh, that's nice. And uh, I hope you succeed. And uh, you got so much to give back to society in so many ways, especially uh, there will be many, many people wanting to pursue. Uh, I mean, you don't have to, because you're a sportsman, so you can definitely contribute in raising the level of sports in this country. And I love your idea of, Going rural, you know, I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of talent out there. We In India, we don't have this. We don't scout for talent, you know, especially sports talent. And I think if we put a system in place to scout talent, we'll be able to find some very good talent in every different sports across the country. Uh, one, uh, I'm, I know a lot of youngsters. I'm sure they must be watching uh, because I've got a few messages saying, uh, so, what would be your advice to them if just like that? I mean, people who are aspiring, I mean, they see you as their role model. They want to be Leander Pace. They want to be Martina Hingis. How do they pursue? What do they need to do? What's your advice to the young tennis players?
0: You know, Raj, I think uh, just both our examples uh, are very clear um, on on how we can with a lot of desire, with a lot of passion for excellence, also by choosing the right team around us and using our God-given skills, using our uh, uh, skills that our parents have nurtured in us with the environment that we were brought up in. But if you have the desire and you work really hard, you can achieve anything in the world. And I'm not just talking about sport. I'm saying that if we have a really good year to listen to our people around us, if we have a good brain and we keep working on that muscle to keep pushing the boundaries on, on, on how we can uh, uh, use the, the opportunities that we have to create a big difference to our lives and to others. um, I think anybody can be champions. Uh, Really, if I had to get a little more specific, um, I was not born a talented tennis player. I taught myself how to play tennis. I still have tremendous weaknesses in tennis. And uh, I basically am able to hide them because of my speed, because of my agility, and because of my mental aptitude. I'm able to make sure that my strengths definitely outmatch my weaknesses. And then at the end of the day, the mental aptitude of realizing that I just had to beat the opponent on the other side on any given day didn't mean I had to be perfect every day. It just meant I had to be better than the opponent on the other side. So I think that what I'm trying to get at that if if Raj I and Leander Pace can work hard and become champions who we are, I think anybody in the world with a lot of hard work and belief in themselves you know, can become champions. Uh, part of what I love about you, Raj, is your belief in yourself, the way that you encourage your two daughters, the way you encourage your family, the way that you give your loved ones like, like me around you um, the best of you every time we meet, um, the way you conduct yourself as a human being speaks of the Raj Cheerful brand. And I think that that itself is so much to learn from. I learn a lot from you by just being around you. So I just watch what you do. I ask the right questions and I try and be a student of life around you so that I can be the best I can be.
1: Lee, I must tell you something. I wish you were my guest on every show because (laughs) my ego has gone through the roof. I'm feeling this show is about you. It's not about me. But thank you for all your compliments. I mean, I appreciate it. Uh, So tell me, uh, I won't hold you for too long. So, what is you spoke a lot about happiness? If you notice, so what is your definition of happiness? What uh, what are things that make you happy?
0: I had a dream as a young boy, Raj, and my dream as a young boy was to emulate my father, right?
1: And is he around? Is he at home?
0: Yeah, he was around. You're sitting right here. He just uh, walked off into his room. I, I'll get him as soon as he comes back. Okay. But that was my dream, right, to emulate my father and winning a medal. And I think that uh, Chotuli, as I as I call him, that's Chotuli.
1: Wow.
0: Right. I think Chotuli was on to something. So that's the pose at the age of two in my parents' house. And that's winning my Olympic medal, the moment I won it, match point. I think Chotuli had something. So what is, uh, my dreams really uh, excite me a lot to work hard and persevere through the hard days. Um, What brings me happiness is my family, uh, my parents, my sisters, my loved ones. uh, Ayana um, brings me tremendous happiness. Uh, Being able to create lives using my platform or or my shoulders to get people to hop on and come along for the ride of what my beliefs are or what my business is, um, is uh, brings me a lot of happiness. But I think in the world that we live in today, Raj, there's a lot of hardships. There's uh, economical hardships, there's health hardships, there's caste and race and color hardships. And I think that uh, if we can use our, our platforms, if we can use our brands and go out there and bring happiness to the world, That would bring me tremendous happiness, to make sure that we can feed as many children as we can, to to give water to as many children as we can, to give education to as many kids as we can, to give a vocation where teach children vocation so that they can stand on their own two feet and they don't become liabilities to society and then be shunned along the way. These are the hardships of the world we face today. And and I think that as COVID uh, continues, uh, these hardships are going to get even greater. We can talk about the George Floyds of the world. We can talk about the migrant workers here in India. We can talk about top brass in the corporate offices getting laid off because their salaries are, are too expensive for corporates to continue while businesses lock down. I think bringing happiness to people, Raj, brings me the greatest joy in my life. And in any way that I can, I, I try and strive to do that.
1: That's great, Lee. On that note, such noble thoughts. I mean, I wish more people thought like you, behaved like you. Uh, and i've seen you acted like you as well in real, real life doing things uh, not just talking but walking the talk uh, thank you so much you've been a f- wonderful guest and i wish we had more time uh, and uh, great thank you and i look forward to seeing you again with our next guest next week thank you lee thank you so much love you, Raj. Love you my friend thanks guys bye bye
0: thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this sochcast what is your soch